Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What are ghosts? What does it mean to say that a location is haunted? What dangers are there in ghost hunting? Welcome to the 999th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Coming to you from WOON AM and FM radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live and on YouTube. I'm Dave Richards sitting in for Ben, who's taking a weekend getaway with his wife. To join in on the show today, call us from anywhere at area code 401-766-1240 or you may email paul at behindtheparanormal.com. Coming to us from Minnesota via Skype today is Jill Shelley, from whose bio I now quote, I have always been fascinated with the paranormal since I was young and had my first experience as a child that fueled me with a thirst to know more. In 2010, I met a a great group of people and we formed our team, St. Croix Paranormal. We started out doing local businesses and private homes in search of answers. We started to travel to well-known haunted locations to further our search. This led me to want my own haunted location to further my studies and allow others to do research. In 2018, I was able to fulfill that dream, and I purchased the Boyd House. It has been an interesting journey with many experiences along the way. Jill Shelley, welcome to Winsocket, the beautiful Blackstone Valley, and Behind the Paranormal. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. So, um, tell us about the Boyd House. Oh, boy, there's so many things about the Boyd House. A little bit of history on it, uh, that it was actually built in 1901, but our deed goes back to 1889 when the land was owned by the Minneapolis and St. Louis Railroad. Uh, So the town was kind of a booming Wild West town back in the day, um, they, you know, they had the, a lot of saloons, they had bars, they had restaurants, creameries um, with the railroad coming through, you know, a lot of traffic in there. So the town um, became like population of around 500, and today it's, it's pretty much a dying town. There's about 175 people, and there are a very handful of businesses in town left today. Uh, the town also butted up against the Sioux Dakota Reservation line, mm-hmm. so you can that there's probably some things that happened uh, back in the day for that. Um, and in night we you know we have a little history of people who have lived in the house, but 1912 is when we have the most history on the house. So we had the family of Fred and Minnie Eckert had moved in there and they were very well respected people in town. They own their own grocery store dry goods, they sold fancy things, shoes, you know, fur coats, and two of their children actually passed away in the home. Uh, One was about five, I believe, and he had choked to death, and then one was in infancy, and both Fred and Minnie have passed away in the home, and Minnie's funeral was actually held in the home as well, and we do have a lot of paranormal activity that happens in the home that reflects that it is still Fred and Minnie. We'll get uh, voices captured that say, I'm Fred or Fred's coming. So we, we do have quite a bit of history 
pointing towards that that is part of the family that lives there, as well as other spirits, too. Okay. So uh, we talked a couple of weeks back, and uh, we have um, you know differing views on what ghosts are. What In your world, what is a ghost? I think it's just uh, part of a person in a different form, such as, you know, I pass away, then I become a different form, a different type of energy out there in the universe. Now, whether I choose to stay on this type of plane or if I choose to go up to what one would consider their own heaven um, or their paradise, you know, I feel like there's different areas that spirits can go. Um, it's kind of unclear with some of the research of why some stay and some go. There's always theories. Everything's kind of a theory. Um, so nothing would be set in stone, but it, it's some of the more common beliefs um, of the paranormal people um, with ghosts and, and feelings that there are different planes um, that the spirits do go to. Well, it's very um, interesting. I, we always say there are no experts in this field, just people with interesting theories. You know, we, okay. we really don't know. Um, in our experience... Uh, there is no death. Uh, people are living many lives. And this is based on quantum mechanics, you know, which may or may not be correct. And people are able to, um, are living uh, what we refer to as a super life in different parallel realities, uh, in some of which they are alive when they're dead here. So that's as close to death as we've ever, ever been able to see. Let me ask you this. Tell us about some of your cases that were very physical in the sense of, uh, well, you mentioned obtaining EVPs and things of that, electronic voice phenomena, things of that kind in the Boyd House. Um, what cases have you had that are very physical in the sense of perhaps poltergeist activity or uh, even physical contact with some kind of entity? Well, I would say, I mean, we've had different types of, of, I've been touched and scratched at many locations. Uh, one of my team members, Teresa, she's very, uh, spirits tend to be very attracted to her. We've had some mediums come up and say that she has this great energy, this great pull. Uh, so she tends to experience a lot more of that type of activity when we're out on locations. But I, I, the main one that I would bring back to is we went to a place called Whispers Estate in Indiana it had a little bit of history on that house is a lot of negative energy in that home. There was a doctor there that did unethical things to his patients. There's body parts buried in the backyard. Uh, his daughter caught on fire around Christmas time, and then oh, he, mer- he mercy killed her after three days with morphine. And um, then, like I know, a little boy had fallen down the stairs and broke his neck and died. And then another one of the bad spirits that were there, uh, his name is Virgil, and he was like the caretaker of the place, but really old crabby guy. Well, he was upstairs, and there's a really big, huge closet. He was putting his tools away for the day on his last day for retirement. He dropped dead of a heart attack. So now he's and he's really ticked off. So they have a lot of really negative energy around that closet, such as people getting pushed out and scratched, um, people getting locked in the closet, and the interesting thing with the closet, it's like one of those that you kind of have to flip up, slide over, and drop back down. So 
for people to actually get locked, locked in like that, it's it's really interesting how that would even happen. But it's a big closet, so um, you know they had a little table, they had a couple chairs in there. You could walk a little farther back, you know, almost like a really big walk-in. So Teresa and I were both in that closet, you know, because of course it's crazy paranormal people. You have to sit in this closet. Um, so she was sitting on a chair, and I had heard a voice in my head, like male voice, that said, "Get out of this closet." And I was like, well, I'm just going to step out because I do have a fear of being in closets and locked in closets, and especially since this has a history of it, I didn't want to be that person. Uh, so I didn't say anything to Teresa. I stepped out of the closet. We were running a spirit box at the same time, and it said, shut this door. And we obviously we didn't hear that at the time, so we didn't do that. And next thing you know, Teresa and that chair come flying out. She lands about four feet outside the door on her hands and knees, and she said that something physically, she felt it like pick it up and throw that chair. So, and then, you know, I even tried to debunk it. I'm like, well, wait, were you leaning forward? And she's like, no, but even if I was, I would land right here. I wouldn't be outside of the closet with this chair. And she's like, I physically felt it pick me up and throw me. Uh, so that was probably our first uh time that we've actually seen something of that type of energy level. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that myself, of course, uh, several times too often. Um, when you run into negative entities, uh, do you interpret those as nasty people or what's commonly known as demons or what we call parasites? Or how do you tell the difference? Or maybe you don't believe in Oh, I believe that, yeah, we believe that there are, you know, negative, really negative, evil, demon-like activity, uh, but I feel it's on a pretty rare level, so we ourselves have not experienced anything as to what I would explain as demonic. Now, negative, yes, we have, and I feel like that's more of a crabby, angry person that doesn't want you there. Um, sometimes just some of the interaction might just be, hey, I just want to you to know that I'm here um, type of, of activity, too. So we kind of, based on what's going on, what, what type of activity, hopefully we can figure out to, you know, maybe getting EVPs or some sort of, uh, you know, interaction with them. We can figure out what the problem is. Uh, so we, we try to go that route, too. But I don't, I don't think as far as, you know, demons, there's, there's not a, a ton of them, but... We went to one location, actually, that was supposed to be very demonic, and we were actually pretty nervous about going to it, and we really did not experience anything negative, because uh, originally we are like, nobody <clears throat> goes out, you know, without the, you know, the other person, you cannot be here alone, but we did, we did not uh, get anything bad, but the only thing we did get later, which was kind of creepy, because you didn't, you know, sometimes you don't hear the EVPs until later when you review um, we did get a really creepy EVP that said, "I want your skin." So the other, but we didn't feel anything that night, you know, as far as negative or any bad interaction. So it was, it was interesting. Um, we pretty much our interaction was with the priest who had passed away in the house, but uh, we didn't have any of that negative that people were getting that they said was all demonic. So it, you know, not saying that the place wasn't, but that was what our experience was it. All right. how, how do you identify the various entities? You know, p put names on them and that kind of thing. How do you go about doing that? 
Uh, well, there's d different ways. You know, we like using the spirit box a lot just because I like the science behind that. Um, we have actually kind of taken it a little step farther now doing the Estes method that people have been doing. Uh, Teresa, because of, I think, her draw with people, uh, has somewhat of a tendency to be able to communicate a lot better than any of us have. We do Estes sessions with her that I have never seen done online before. You know, I see other people's Estes methods, and they're just, you know, a few, you know, words here, there. But with Teresa, we've actually had, like, full-on half-hour conversations. Um, they'll tell us their name. They'll tell us all kinds of stuff about them. They'll have us, you know, do stuff. Um, you know, we've just had, like, a little boy in a hospital and he, you know, was kind of playing around. He said, I'm the king of snakes. I keep snakes in my pocket. Um, he told us what room he was in later. We went down there and put some equipment in there, and that started going off right away because he had asked for ice cream. And we actually, um, when we investigate, we have, like, some fake food, and we actually happen to have some fake ice cream cones. So we brought that into the room and, and put the REM pot up there, and within a few minutes that started going off. So um, just she's had us draw pictures on the wall. Uh, she like they just start asking questions that to us as well. So it's, it's just amazing interaction that we we get with these spirits. Well, how do, how do you? Um, well, I mean, we were told, I was told early on uh, by uh, two physicists that spirits in the classical sense are not possible under the laws of physics. Is just thermo, thermodynamics, uh, which, among other experiences, really got me thinking that maybe we're, that that isn't a good enough explanation. But let's leave that for the moment. And can you tell us uh, how you know that whatever they're telling you over whatever gizmo is honest, that they're really what they say they are? Well, you would never be sure, just as a just like people doubt today too. You know, they fool you over the internet, over the phone. Yeah, believe well, half the people you meet on the street. Right, right. So, no, you can't be a hundred percent sure. I have had some stuff though too, where they've actually given us dates of things, like those actual date of the Civil War and thing and stuff, in which we found funny because Teresa has no idea what year the Civil War was. She goes, I don't remember any history. So sometimes they can give you exact dates, not saying that that's exactly who they are, but I guess you just kind of have to take a feel, you know. She kind of gets a real good feel because sometimes she'll be like, I don't want to talk to the spirit, and she'll take the headphones off. She's like, they're saying creepy stuff, and I don't get a good feel for them. Um, so, I mean, that you just kind of have to go with your, your inner intuition, I think, a lot of your gut instinct when it comes to the paranormal as well. Do you believe in reincarnation or any of your group? Believe in that? I know Donna is really into the reincarnation. I'm not so sure. Like, I guess I haven't done a lot of research on it, you know, as far as of people's beliefs. Um, but then there are times when you feel like, oh, I've been here before, or I was that person, or then, you know, if they interview kids, they say by before they're three, they can tell you in detail of, you know, like something like a world war. I've seen a little kid do that where he talked about the war and the plane and, and just, you know, you know, so that, so then that, that makes me question like, well, maybe, you know, cause there, there are some stuff. So I'm not closed minded to it. So I guess I'm kind of on the fence with it. Yeah. Uh, one of the questions that we're, 
sometimes uh, running into is uh, if reincarnation in the classical sense at least is true, why are there so many ghosts? You know, and uh, I really asked myself that when I started running into ghosts of people who haven't died yet, uh, various, uh, several times ghosts being seen in different places by different people at different time at the same time, and it really made me wonder. So, you ever run into anything like that? You know, ghosts uh, who are still alive. But we're, we're dealing with a case right now that involves something like that. Yeah, I haven't really experienced anything like that. I mean, it is it is an interesting aspect, but it could just be because there are different planes and levels, and it could just be who wants to go, who wants, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe there's a divine intervention, like you get to go, you get to stay, I, who, we don't know, we don't no, know. No, we, we don't, we just have evidence of this or that, sometimes right, it conflicts. Right. Uh, I'm fascinated by the, the kid with the ice cream, that would have been me at any age. Uh, uh, why would a physical desire like eating even enter the mind of a spirit? Well, interesting, we do find a lot of times when we are investigating, uh, they tend to talk about food a lot, and maybe it's, a, you know, because they physically can't do that, that is, is it a possibility that it's just, you know, that they, they just want to see it, they want to, maybe they can, maybe they can smell it. Like, I know they say they can see us. I've asked them that before, they say yes, and then I'll get real specific, like, well, what color is my shirt? What is, and they'll say it. So I know, I know that they can see us. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe they can also smell. I'm not. I'm not sure. Maybe they just kind of want that. But we do have a lot of times they do ask for food. Um, so we. That's why we got the idea of just bringing in the fake food as well. So and maybe it's even just a symbol of the fact that you know I tend to be very uh, respectful with the spirits and especially with the Boyd House. You know, knowing them personally, I, I get to know them and, and ask things that they want or other people ask what they want. Um, and if I can appease them, and, and it's almost like um, an offering, I guess, if you want to say, um, you know. So I think that's it's a symbol that represents that you're you're a good person and you're there to help. And you know, I don't know. I try to make even when we investigate, even if like it's a place with children, you know, I try to entertain them and play games and, and interact with them because I can just give them some happiness that day, you know. You know, a theologian would have a field day with that, but we'll, we'll, we'll let that go. Uh, as far as uh, the electronics that you use, uh, it's generally believed, and I wish Ben was here because he has a degree in this stuff, that um, when you have an EVP, it's on an AM frequency, and maybe Dave could address this too. Uh, you know, every time I talk to that man, I learn something about uh, something and um, I asked uh, one guest one time who was researching EVPs I said if they have, does that mean that the people on the other side of whatever they're on the other side of have an AM transmitter and uh, the show ended before he could answer so I don't know did you want to comment Dave? I don't think want enters into it, but I think I can shed some light on it. The, uh, the sound that you're hearing right now inside this room, unaided by electrical devices, with only the motion of the air, is amplitude-modulated air. 
So when you say AM, if you're making it sound or you're thinking along the lines of a broadcast electromagnetic wave, well, that's very different than what we're talking about. The sound that comes out of a speaker and hits your ear or headphones, it's the same element, only smaller, and hits your ear to transmit that sound is also amplitude modulated. Nearly everything in nature is amplitude modulated or AM. That was the first way that we broadcast with electromagnetic uh, waves that was not digital. The very first way we broadcast was digital. Really? Yeah. So Morse code is digital. Did you know that? Uh, no, but having had an <laughs> MRI recently, I don't want to hear Morse code ever again. Anyway, well, uh, no, the, as far as, um, so AM is essentially the air molecules being AM vibrated. AM is of nature. Okay. It is the way nature you know, talks. Okay. And the reason why today's electromagnetic broadcasting in FM seems to be so free of all the static and everything is that nature doesn't doesn't transmit sound in frequency modulation it does it in am so you're listening with a different with the wrong device to pick up things of nature okay all right well the, so there you, you have don't hear the static yeah all right so well, as we say anything is possible um so as far as um the physics of this, that's something I started to wonder about in the 1970s. Uh, you've got um, time slips going on. You've got consciousness and uh, the theories about time uh, based on uh, physics. Uh, Einstein's special theory of relativity, uh, quantum physics talking, talking about time and the... Uh, physics of consciousness as well, uh, that it's all about consciousness and the sense that we run into cases where uh, the historical event in a particular property hasn't happened yet. Uh, have you ever run into that in the sense of something that seems to be happening that is not in the available history of the property? Oh, well, I don't know if that kind of falls along, um, you know, the, the lines, if it's, you know, more of a imprint in time where it just keeps replaying itself. Um, but, yeah, I, I really haven't run into anything like that where it's happened before before the time. Well, your psychic powers are pretty good today because I was going to ask you about residual hauntings. <laughs> now, I, I was an early advocate of that, but I changed my mind on it when I was able to interact with what were considered, you know, recordings on the environment that played themselves back, and when I was able to change those by interacting with them, something I wouldn't necessarily recommend. What say you on that? Is it as simple as a recording on the environment, and what is it recorded on, particularly the video part? Because things do repeat. Right. It, yeah, I just I think that created so much energy and time. Um, that it just kind of keeps looping itself. I don't, you know, whether it's footsteps, maybe you see something walk by all the time. You know, it just, it just depends on what type of, how much energy, how much emotion that went into to making that imprint. Well, Dave has a point here. That could be a, a sort of an More echo. More of an echo than a repeat. If something is strong enough, it can 
bounce and come back to the same place hmm. if it were strong enough sound. If it were not strong enough, it was just a run-of-the-mill sound, it wouldn't yeah. echo. Well, I'll give you an example, Jill. You comment on this. Uh, in 2005, this was one of Ben's first cases. This and the haunted police officer in Vermont, uh, a homeowner from Torrington, Connecticut, got in touch with us and said, uh, I read your book, uh, Footsteps in the Attic, and, and this time multiverse thing is the only thing that can really explain the, the goofiness in this house. They would sit there in, in their living room and see legs hanging from the ceiling walking on a surface that didn't seem to be there in our world. Uh, our very first visit in August of '05. I was outside and I heard a horse gallop by. Couldn't see it, but I felt the, the wind that it created, etc. Um, so, and, and then we, there was a, an example of also having to deal with quote unquote ghosts that thought we were ghosts haunting them. So, what say you on all that? Um, the, the EVPs galore in that house. It had originally been a general store in the uh, 1700s, and then six generations of the same family have lived there ever since. They're still there. Um, so, so what say you? How do you conduct an investigation? What processes do you use? And what questions do you consider? And do you ever run into this, this kind of crazy stuff that's hard to explain? Oh, gosh, we've had so many different um, things happen, you know. Like you said, you, you hear things that aren't there, you, you feel things, so you wonder, are they just repeating their day in and out, in and out, over and over again? Is it a mm. repeat type, type thing? But when we do investigations, um, when we do the private homes, you know, first we just kind of like, how long have you been experiencing it? You know, do you know any history of the house? You know, kind of get a feel for them. Um, you know, when do things happen? Do you have pets? Do the pets experience anything? Uh, children experience anything? You know, what do you think it is? Uh, we'll try to go get some information from the historical society. You know, maybe we have some, if it's an old house, maybe we can get some history on it. Maybe we just have some history on the land. Uh, just a little bit to go off of. Then we'll um, come and we'll set up different cameras, voice recorders, different type of equipment. Um, we allow the uh, homeowner to participate as much as they would like to. We've had some that are full on and really are gung-ho about hanging out with us and asking the questions because I feel like the spirits know them more and I'm a stranger and they might be more apt to talk to them. But we've also had some that just leave us and don't even come in the house. They just go somewhere and some just sit in the house in the corner all huddled up in the dark. So um, that's kind of how we approach it and try to see what kind of information that we can get from that spirit if we can um, just kind of help that, that particular client out. Okay, well, it's a good time to take our mid-show break. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. On WOON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone Valley, Blackstone Valley. And our good friend Dave Richards is sitting in for Ben today. We'll be right back with our very interesting guest, Jill Shelley. So stick with us. We've unlocked the vaults and we're replaying Casey Kasem's American Top 40, the 80s. This week is from June 7th, 1980. 
That's when Bob Seeger was running against the wind. Air Supply was lost in love. Rocky Burnett was tired of towing the line. And Lips Inc. took us to Funky Town. You'll hear those songs, all the top 40 hits, and the long-distance dedications from June 7, 1980, right here on Casey Kasem's American Top 40, the 80s. You can depend on us for public service, Owen Radio. Okay, we're back on WON 1240 AM and FM, and we're behind the paranormal today with Dave Richards and Jill Shelley coming to us via Skype from Minnesota. So, uh, I, I, what's funny, once, I've, I've only been on the air once with Jason Hawes from Ghost Hunters a TV series. Uh, and it's funny because their original group was from Rhode Island, uh, contacted me in 2003 and asked if I was, you know, would talk to them. And, uh, for some reason I couldn't. And, uh, but the one time we were on the air together, it was on his show. He said, it's funny you describe this multiverse idea, and, you know, different people living different lives and versions, etc., and all time being simultaneous. Because they said the one time, and this is, I guess, one of their famous cases, they were at a hotel where a woman had, uh, you know, taken a flying leap out a window or something. And uh, she was believed to be haunting the place. And they were in touch with her. And she kept asking if they were from security. Like it was a normal day for her. You know, and uh, so I said, well, Jason, that, that's what we're talking about. If, if it's what it appears to be, maybe it's uh, more physical, more to do with time than death and all that sort of thing. So um, have you run into cases... Of that, or were, were the ghosts thought you were ghosts haunting them? Um, yeah, we've had different experience where sometimes they're not even sure. Like we've heard them say, "Am I a ghost?" or "Am I dead?" So they're they're not really sure. But I I do know. Like I've asked them to. I'm like, "Do we look weird to you?" You know, because if you think about it, if you're talking to the spirit from the 1900s. And you're looking at somebody dressed like me. I must look really strange because you know I should have it. I'm glad you, know? you said it. I mean, I would look pretty strange to them too. All yep. of us would. Yeah. Yeah, we've we've actually had a little boy say, "Girls don't wear pants." So, huh. you know, so yeah. it was. You know, it's different for them. I, I'm sure it's kind of weird. Maybe they think we're from the you know aliens future. Who knows what they're thinking? But I do know that. You know, they are there with you, you know, whether, what, how, I'm not sure, like, are they, like, stay, I've got EVPs, like, at the Boyd House, for instance, I was just cleaning some stuff up, getting ready to leave for the morning, and I had a, a EVP of a man that says, how are you this morning? Uh, so, there's just different things. Um, I also had one which was, I thought, kind of interesting, where, I was just doing some cleaning, and I was just talking to him, you know, how are you today, you know, what, how has it been going, I'm going to a wedding, you ever been to a wedding, so I was like, kept rambling on, so I kind of drowned out the EVP a little bit, so she said something as I was talking, but then I had quit talking, and then she said, I'm trying to sleep, so it was kind of interesting, um, you know, I kind of feel bad, because there's this woman trying to take a nap, 
and I'm in there cleaning. So it kind of makes me feel like they do do things the same day to day. Like, yes, they do take a nap. Yes, they do get up and clean the house, maybe. You know, maybe, yeah, obviously we physically can't see the cleanliness of the house or what they're doing because they're in a different realm. I guess it would be almost like me watching them through a television screen, like watching a movie almost, I guess would be probably the way to explain it. So Yeah, that's not a bad metaphor. Yeah, so yeah. it's like they're their life and I'm doing my life, we can just see each other, which is kind of kind of a weird uh, caption. But we, we've had, you know, different, like we were at an uh, insane asylum that had actually captured, that had burned down like two times the previous time and been rebuilt. And it was just Teresa and I walking through down in the basement and we got an EVP that said the building's on fire, don't you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't. If he's, like, reliving, like, are we walking what he's seeing, like, flames all around us and we don't know? Um, but is, is he's reliving the building being on fire all the time. And in that same building up on a different floor, we actually had a woman that said, come on in, girls, pleased to meet you. So she's looking at us physically, and she wanted us to come talk to her, and I wish we would have heard it then because I totally would have loved to sit down and have a chat with her. Um, but that just, to me, proves that they are seeing what's going on. Yeah, well, regarding these uh, electronic voice phenomena, uh, how clear are those? Do you have to interpret the sounds? I mean, you, you know what I'm getting at. Some people say there's a lot of pareidolia involved, and you just hear what you want to hear. Or, or are, once in a while, they're, they're very clear. How, uh, how do you uh, approach that? We get, we have both, you know, we've got some that we call the Class A EVPs where you don't have to tweak it out at all. It just sounds exactly like it sounds, you know, clear as day as, of, as my yep. voice was coming through. So we've gotten a lot of those. So, um, but yeah, there are ones too. And if I can't make it out, like if I have to sit there and constantly slow it down and, and that, then, then now I'm, I'm altering what was really going on. Uh, and you also have to keep an account to what was said. Uh, so a lot of times when I, for instance, say I find an EVP, unless it's like a class A, uh, maybe it's a man talking and I know Teresa and I were the only one there, so I don't have to go back and review for sure. But if we're in a, in a place, I will go compare that audio with what's going on. Because there have been times where maybe one of my team whispered like, oh gosh, or something, you know, that they said it quieter. But it, it, it sounded like EVP, but if I watch it back on audio, they said it. So I tried to make sure that the EVPs that we do put out are 100% genuine EVPs that we have. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, again, wondering, uh, given what Dave was talking about, whether we're, you know, how, how a non-physical creature could, you know, ma- make the air vibrate, you know. Without vocal cords, how do you make, how do you vocalize? Well, like you said, the energy waves, it's the same with, uh, you know, the waves going over the radios, the waves going over the TV, you know. that That's how we feel that they do that type of communication. And we feel that it does, you know, like you say, if it's the different realm for me to shout to you, I'm going to have to yell really loud. And that's why you're not constantly getting EVP after EVP where people go because it is takes a lot of energy for them to do that type of situation. That's that's how our theory is, and that that's kind of what we go with. So, well, what what I found uh, through and my last book, I hated writing it, 
because I had to talk about cases where I do what I advise people not to do. Uh, it's how, you know, I, I really warn people about being mediumistic or because you don't know what you're talking to. But then it looked like I was doing it myself. So, uh, but you know, you get to a certain age, you don't tell a story that's, you're not going to tell it. So, uh, I ran into a lot of entities where there were language barriers, some who were not human, but, but not evil in any way, others who communicated in different ways. Uh, but I just got the impression that wherever or whenever they are, the laws of physics there are very different, simply to allow them to communicate like that or to even be aware of us. And in, in one or two of the, well, more than one or two of those apparent worlds, if I was interpreting it correctly, the, uh, there was no stigma with talking with somebody in another world. You know, here the fill your pockets full of antipsychotics and off you go. What say you about that? Well, that's that's kind of how they were back in the day, that if you did talk about those, you were crazy. Um, but I do I do feel that the EVPs, how, how they create that energy, how they make it happen, and I don't know, I've just had so many different interactions to as to exactly what I'm doing right at that particular moment, what is going on in time, the particular clothes I'm wearing. Um, they've talked about, like, my shoes. Like, I like your shoes. Do you have more shoes? Um, I just feel that they, they can see you. They can interact. That's why people get touched. That's why people see them. Um, just a lot of different feelings. They can manipulate the the air temperature, so all of a sudden it's freezing cold where it shouldn't be. You know, I've, I've experienced that actually at a bar that we were investigating that was known for a female presence and a male presence, but we were actually up in the bar, and you could always, it was a super 90-degree hot day. Now, yeah, they had the air conditioning running, but because it was so hot and humid, it was still pretty warm in there, and it was on the upper floor, and all of a sudden, you just kind of felt like all of the whole air, the, the room feeling, everything changed. Like we got goosebumps. It got extremely ice cold. And then we happened to look up and we saw a black shadow in the shape of like, I guess I would describe it as a robed black person, you know, in, in black and, and robed and just kind of just really fast right across, um, you know, probably about, 20 feet in front of us and we both looked at each other like did you just see that and she's like yeah I just saw that so it was it moved like really weird like in a strobe motion type way like if you're watching strobe film it, it was just the weirdest thing but the, the energy that you felt in the room that, that at that moment it was just it was a total shift total shift it was really cool well that leads to the question of attachments something we talked about in our prior conversation. Uh, how many members of your team or, or have you yourself picked up what is commonly known as an attachment, something that seems to have come home with you from a case? I personally have not had that. I try to um, say prayers and protections and things like that, which I believe for, and, and I think it doesn't matter what, you do as a person as long as you physically believe and have the spiritual strength that nothing is going to follow you um, is why I think some of those work but there were a couple times 
when um, my other team members did not do that for themselves. And Alex actually had one brought home, and he lived in an apartment building. He's never had any activity in his apartment building. And when he got home the next day, um, he started getting faucets getting turned on and off, and his dog just started just looking up in nowhere and just start barking. Um, so he kind of did a sage and kind of told to go back where it came from and was real firm about that. And then uh, that, that did go away for him after the second day. So he had that. And then Donna's actually um, had things happen, too, where she, Donna can sometimes see spirits, but she did say there was like a cow one day um, that followed her around for a couple of days. And then finally she told him to go home because she would see him every once in a while. And she said the first experience with him, she like woke up and, and looked and he was standing at her bed. And he's like, howdy, ma'am. And then and it disappeared. So, so, and and then she saw him a couple times around her house, and then she's like, "Dude, you gotta go back to where you came from." So, in one of my early cases in Bridge, uh, I should say Bristol, Connecticut, uh, I was just coming off the Bridgeport Poltergeist case with Ed Lorraine Moore in the prior year, but uh, there was a uh, poltergeist situation that affected a whole neighborhood. Uh, and it, uh, since then, I've always looked outside the property that is being investigated uh, and or the family, if there's a family involved. So the question uh, for you, Jill, is uh, do you ever look even uh, you know, outside the physical building? Do you ever talk to the neighbors, uh, this sort of thing, if you can? Uh, and do you ever run into other forms of paranormal activity. Uh, for example, uh, investigating ghosts in the 70s, I kept running into UFOs. So what say you on that? Uh, well, no, we haven't, like, actually, when we got investigations, talked to neighbors or stuff because just a confidentiality because they already feel, like, weird because I'll tell you, the first thing Yeah, people, it can be difficult. Yeah, they, well, then they say, God, I'm crazy, and you're like, no, you're not crazy. Uh, but I would say in other locations that we have gone to where you actually, then you start going outside and you start doing some of the yard work or, you know, going out in the yard, going to the fields, going to the cemeteries. Um, we have had different um, activity even just around there. But there's different towns, too. Like, we're, you know, we're based out of Stillwater, Minnesota, a very old logging town back in the day. There was Native Americans back at one time, and I believe, I, you know, so there was some stuff that happened there. But there's pretty much most of the businesses in downtown Stillwater are haunted, whether they want to be open to it or not. But we have investigated quite a few of them down there, and yeah, it's all it's all been the same lumberjacks, you know, that type of stuff, business store owners. You know that that we find down there. We found one. What I thought was really interesting is that we did um, this one particular building, and I it used to actually be a hardware store. And I asked, you know, what was this back in the day? And it said the hardware store. And they gave a couple same responses, you know, in that same voice. And probably I don't know, maybe seven months later, somebody contacted me and they said that was my grandfather's store and that was his voice that came through. And she wanted to know if we had actually gotten anything else. So it was kind of cool to get that validation. Yeah. Okay. Um, if I may make a suggestion, something you might want to look into, as far as you know, wider areas are concerned, 
it would be the Bouger anomaly, B-O-U-G-E-U-R. And what that is is a recognized scientific principle. Uh, it's actually a gravity anomaly uh, where gravity gets lighter or less powerful as you move down a hill in an area that has usually it's just the opposite. Uh, you can't feel it. It's not a quick way to lose weight, but uh, it, it is uh, measurable. And uh, seismologists are aware of it. Geologists use it to search for oil and gas deposits. Nobody totally understands it, but it, it exists. And we find that in every major case we've ever investigated, we went back and looked, uh, the Bouger anomaly was strong. And uh, what did Einstein say about uh, gravity? It, it can bend space and time. So whether that's enough, but we're still looking into that. But you you can go online and uh, do a search on it for particular areas, and maybe you'll find that underneath downtown there's a strong bougie anomaly. So maybe that that's just just a a tip, you know, from a guy who's been doing this for 53 years. Well, interesting that you say that because. Um you know, I don't know about the, the bougie anomaly, but I do, when you said it goes downhill, uh, Stillwater is very steep all the way down, down, down. To oh, get to really? The, yep, yep. So it was interesting. Okay. That so possibly then. Yeah, you might find it interesting to look into that. Okay, so um, tell us where people can find out more about you. You have a Facebook page. Uh, do you have a website? Yeah, uh, if you're interested in our paranormal group, we just have a Facebook page for St. Croix Paranormal, and we're on YouTube, so we put all our videos up there of our evidence and things that we've captured. And then if you're interested in the Boyd House, which we do allow people to come in for overnight investigations, uh, we're on uh, Facebook as well for Boyd House, or you can find us on our website, which is boydhouse217.com. Okay, cool. So what does the future hold for St. Croix Paranormal? Uh, right now, we're just doing a couple different investigations. We've we've been out at one to a, a haunted YMCA uh, in July. We're doing a mortuary and then an old Victorian home in August. Uh, that's about all the trips we're doing this year. Everybody's kind of off. Alex needs to concentrate on his family. Teresa's in school for radiology. So uh, 2024 is going to be a busier year for us. But uh, in the meantime, we'll just uh, keep doing more research at the Boyd House, allow people to come in for investigations, um, I have a lot of conferences I'm attending um, just as a vendor just to kind of promote the house and, and get out there and meet people. And I love doing it, love hearing the stories, love meeting people, and it's a good okay. time. Uh, so uh, let's rewind a bit. And I had a question about your first experience as a child that got you interested in this. Uh, yeah, that was it was different. It was actually at my... Um, grandmother's house and you know they built their house like back in the 1900s so i don't know why it would be haunted but i've um, always got like a weird feel up in the one room and it was just always cold in there you always felt like someone was staring at you with the closet and she didn't really have a closet there was a closet but she you know back in the day she just had like a curtain over it um so you always just kind of felt like somebody didn't want you in there my cousins kind of felt that way too um but there was one particular night where um, I was sleeping in the girls' room. My parents were in this other room, and then, you know, then there's the haunted room. Woke up in the middle of the night, kind of heard some footsteps coming out of that room, and my back was towards the door. 
And then I felt it stop right in front of my door and just, like, stare at me. Like, I could feel it almost like holes burning through my back, that kind of staring. And I'm, you know, I'm probably, like, eight years old, so I'm terrified. I am not turning around. I do not want to see what is going on here. I just kind of heard, like, a deep sigh. And then it turned around. You heard the footsteps walk back into that room. And then I just kind of threw the blankets over my head, finally went back to sleep. Mentioned it in the morning. Um, I knew it was my parents. I could hear them snoring in the room next door while the whole time this was going on. And my grandma, who sleeps downstairs, she just kind of laughed and she said, oh, my gosh, honey, that is just a ghost and he's not going to hurt you. And I was like, wow, grandma's, like, not even concerned at all about this, you know. So I was like, I had a lot of respect for my grandma. So um, that's kind of what fueled me, like, I really need to know more about these things, you know. (laughs) And I always liked the spooky stuff when I was younger. Like, we, you know, would go to the little scary movies. Like, I, I realized I was, like, four when my family took me to see Jaws. So, I mean, I was always kind of into the spooky stuff. Um, <coughs> with stories and sitting, you know, all spooky ghost stories in the dark, that kind of thing. So, always always kind of that weird kid from a young age. Well, you might get a kick out of this story. We had a listener write in from Indiana. And we kind of followed the case, uh, and uh, it had to be one of the funniest cases I ever uh, encountered. We referred to it as the clumsy ghost. They would hear <clears throat> someone up in the uh, upstairs rooms, you know, kind of tripping and falling and knocking things over, falling down the stairs. And they said, well, what the hey is this about? So I said, um, "Did you? who lived in the house before you? Well, they inherited it from an uncle who was just like that. And he would, you know, bump into stuff. I don't know, you know, ear problems or what, but, you know, knock stuff over. And he was real, and he made jokes about it. But it was a real klutz. And uh, so our interpretation from our point of view was that they were simply picking up a uh, time slip uh, an overwash, as we call it, and he's still in the house, perfectly physical, just having a gay old time. So, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. So, so that was uh, something we kind of got a kick out of. But um, as far as uh, other experiences you've had, have you ever had other experiences with other kinds of paranormal activity in the sense of, you know, did you ever shake hands with Bigfoot? Or anything like that? UFOs? No. No, I haven't really had any of, of the other stuff. I haven't really done any. Um, you know, I really kind of would like to find somebody who does do. Well, you um, found them. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, as far as, like, I'd like to just try once, trying to go, like, uh, try to go for the Bigfoot uh, expedition kind of thing would be kind of fun. Um, I haven't had any UFO experience. I have seen some stuff in the sky that I'm like, eh, what the heck is that? Um, just kind of weird stuff, but personally, nothing that I would be a hundred percent like. Oh my gosh, I had a UFO experience. Um, sure, but it, I find it really fascinating, and I love hearing other people's stories. Um, just anything, anything that's supernatural um, that they may have seen or experienced. It's just, it's just really fun to talk about other people's experiences. Do you find that when a paranormal experience takes place? People bring something to the experience. Uh, for example, uh, whether it be the ghostly stuff or Bigfoot. In my case, in September of 2016, I totally out of the blue 
was on a case in Pennsylvania, and I had an encounter with Bigfoot, totally unexpected, although everybody in the area had seen it. Uh, and to me, it was a sacred experience because I had prepared spiritually for that sort of thing. Uh, and a little girl, I'm always talking about this on the air, so apologies to people who have heard it before. A little girl was coming home from school, broad daylight, just below the same hill, hill I was on, saw the same or a similar creature, and was so terrified, she has yet to talk to us about it when we've been down there. So we, we've also run into people who have uh, seen different things. In Iowa, for example, there's a uh, basement of a historical society building, and people will see an orb, but other people standing there will see a boy. So what say you on people bringing their own labels, experiences, feelings, and that influencing their experience? Oh, I think that it would experience uh, would influence you quite a bit. Uh, that's why a lot of times when we go in, we don't like to always hear about like, oh, there's always a dark shadow figure at the end of the hall. Because I don't want to sit there and think that there's a dark shadow figure at the end of the hall. Right. So, you know, I think I think a lot of, especially, I mean, I think if you do more of a seasoned investigator, you can kind of rule that out a little bit more. But if you're just a person that, oh, I heard this goes on there, they're going to go there and go, oh, my God, that did happen. Because they kind of wanted it to. They wanted to expect it and feel that, that you know, a lot of people who don't do it on a regular basis do have that hyped-up energy. They're already terrified. They already got things in their mind. You know, it's no different than when you go to, you know, a uh, fake haunted house, you know, where they're dressed in the costumes and stuff. You're already yeah. hyped up hyped up to get scared. Um, so it's kind of that same type of energy level. Okay. Yeah, haunted house where the real sharks. Yeah, so. Um, well, Jill, I think we're just about out of time, but thank you so much for a very interesting conversation and uh, give us your contact info one more time please yeah it's uh, boydhouse217.com or you can find us on Facebook or uh, St. Croix Paranormal for Facebook as well okay very good okay thanks again we'll be talking to you off the air and uh, let's uh, start with our announcements here uh, look for us at the Exeter UFO Festival on Labor Day weekend on September 2nd and 3rd. Uh, we plan to do our traditional show from there with a live audience on September 3rd. I know Dave's happy to hear that. And uh, the Greater New England UFO Conference is back, a one-day event on Saturday, November 4th at the Lemonster, Massachusetts City Hall. More information we'll pass on as we receive it. Visit the show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find nearly 1,200 hours of our regular shows and special broadcasts that have survived accumulating since 2008 from CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and here at WOON AM and FM. Also hear many of these broadcasts on the major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. So what's going on next week, Paul? Well, next week we celebrate 15 years on the air on what also happens to be our 1,000th numbered broadcast. This will be a two-hour roundtable on ultimate questions with Dr. Jeffrey Kripal of Rice University, groundbreaking UFO researcher, author, and lecturer Kathleen Martin, 
scientist and experiencer Matthew Moniz, and renowned British consciousness, consciousness researcher Anthony Peake. The show will begin at noon Eastern, that's 9 a.m. Pacific and 5 p.m. UK, and run for two hours. We will take questions by Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com. So, uh, You're Paul Eno. As far as I know, yes. And I'm not Ben Eno. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic jury, and we'll see you next week for a two-hour special on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now.